Hi everyone and welcome back to Heck and Concern podcast. It's been a few months since you heard from me and in this time I've been thinking a lot about the topics that I'll cover in season two of this podcast. So the first thing that's at top of mind for everyone, jostling for attention right now with the Wuhan coronavirus but still very urgent, very important, is the Australian bushfires. Look, there are bushfires in Australia every year. In fact, Many parts of the world have forest fires or bushfires every year. But something about these fires is scarier, bigger, worse than we've ever experienced before. And there's a lot of fear and grief and anger, not just in Australia, but internationally too. Everyone is worried about what's happening right now here in Australia. And so I thought this was a good time to talk with Dr. Ash Nayati, who's my guest today. Dr. Ash is a neuropsychologist and an author, and she's written a book called Staying Positive in a Fucked Up World, which just sounds like it's becoming more and more relevant with each passing day. Ash and I talk about the different kinds of fear and grief and anger that we're collectively feeling, the different facets of these emotions, um, and how we can tolerate or transform these feelings. We also talk about how difficult it is to deal with constant news of catastrophe on TV or on social media and why it's important for us to turn off news sources sometimes and just care for ourselves. Dr. Ash talks about the reasons why we seek out bad news um, in the episode, but there's just one tip that I'd like to share that I heard recently, which comes from um, Malcolm Gladwell, who is a journalist, a podcaster and an author. Malcolm Gladwell reads the newspaper once every day in the morning and then doesn't listen to any news until the next day. And I think that's a pretty good way to keep ourselves sane in this awful time of 24-hour news cycles that we live in. Anyway, back to the episode that uh, I'm going to play for you right now. It's going to sound a little different from my usual content. That's because it was recorded on Skype. Um, neither Dr. Ash nor I could make it into the studio to record it. And I was actually sitting in my parents' house in a closet when I was recording this. So it's going to be an interesting sound. But the content is still relevant and very important. And after you listen to the episode, I hope that you'll tell me how you personally deal with your feelings around these bushfires. You can talk to me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. And I hope that we'll keep the conversation going there. I would like to acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the land of the Wurundjeri people. This is Amrita, and you're listening to Heckin' Concerned Podcast. Hi, Ash, and welcome to Heckin' Concerned Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to finally speak with you. I've been wanting to speak with you on the podcast for the last year. Um, and you wrote this book um, called Staying Positive in a Effed Up World. You can take <laughs> fucked up on the podcast, that's fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> Staying Positive in a Fucked Up World. You wrote this book in 2018. Yeah, oh gosh, yes. Yes, it was. Two, two, almost two years ago. Time's wow. gone by very quickly. Well, it's more relevant um, than ever. Yeah, I think it's still – yeah, I, th I think it is still relevant actually. Yeah, um, yeah that book was – it was a, a book that was the accumulation of um, of many years of difficulties mm -hmm. faced by activists. And so I guess it's not surprising that it's still relevant now because yeah, a, a lot of the problems are still still there. Uh, what prompted you to 
write this book? Um, it was really a response to a lot of questions I was getting from um, my fellow activists. So most of my activism is animal activism and just um, through meeting people and having just having conversations at various events, uh, I'd often get introduced to people who wanted to talk to a psychologist or just to um, get my input um, to consult with me or to get my input on a difficulty they were having. And as the years went by, it was really the same sorts of things were coming up again and again. So I thought, well, you know, because I'm based in Melbourne like you, so uh, I thought to myself I can write a book that can reach many more people than just who I happen to meet at at these sorts of events. And Mm. um, the book was really covering the background to a lot of the challenges faced, Mm. uh, the ones I was coming across. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a fantastic book. And I have to say, I didn't expect to find humour in there, but you were really funny. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Um, I like to think so. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there were so many times that I chuckled out loud. You know, here I am reading about, like, guilt and grief and boundaries, and then suddenly you'll say something like clutching at our reusable straws or something like that, and I find myself (laughs) chuckling. Well done on writing a beautiful book. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. I'm so glad you liked it. And I think, uh, I mean, this was all about, uh, I didn't expect it to be so much about doing work on yourself. So, Mm. I I mean, you're a psychologist, so obviously all of it is really before you can solve the world's problems, you need to look within you and figure out how you deal with things and sort out your own stuff. So mm. I found that even if um, even if you're not a, a change agent or an activist, re- this book was just very approachable and very beautifully written for anyone who needs to be in touch with their own emotions more, like getting along with strangers or getting along with other people in your family, understanding why somebody's response may be a fear-based response, understanding how you deal with something out of your own fears and don't even realize it. I do agree that working on ourselves is is useful. I I, I do put kind of like a, a bit of a disclaimer on that because um, online there's a lot of po- sort of these inspiration kind of influencer people and they all often will talk about, you know, just work on yourself and that will be okay. And I do agree that working on ourselves is is a good thing to do in order to make us better activists. So we're still wanting to go out and advocate for something. We're still wanting to um, you know, in, influence people because influence I mean we're always influencing people so we might as well influence them for something that's really worth fighting for whether yeah. that's the animals or um you know, asylum asylum seekers and refugees trying to um, reverse cl- climate change whatever it is mm. well yeah. that is life and society isn't it that's politics that's any kind of cooperative thing that humans do which is trying to influence each other mm. get them to see their point of view um yeah. I think that's one of the sources of grief and anger surrounding these bushfires that are happening. Mm. So right now in Australia, as um, any of my international listeners also know, we're really in trouble. We've Our, our country is burning and people all over the country are actually grieving. Um, and a part of this anger, so I, I was trying to think about the different kinds of anger um, and grief. And I think they're two sides of the same coin, anger and grief. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I think the grief is 
I feel like it's kind of like you're being led down by the government. Obviously, you're sad for the destruction, for other people's pain, for your own pain if you're in bushfire-affected areas. But it also feels like a parent is letting you down, like the government is your parent. Yep. Um, that's quite a deep kind of grief, isn't it? Absolutely. And, um, you know, anger and grief, you're, you're absolutely right. They're the same it's it, they're stemming from the same place. Mm. Uh, the the two emotions have very different. Uh, there's very different things behind them. So they're similar, but they're also different. And I think it's helpful to um, to look at them both from stemming from the same place, mm-hmm. but also um, look at them differently because the way we actually handle anger is different to the way we should handle grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of a healthy way of handling right. those feelings. So um, I, would it be helpful if I yes. sort of talk about the yes, different? Yes, of yeah. course. So we'll start with grief um, because that's obviously huge. Uh, with there's the t- grief. Grief stems from sadness. Sadness is something we experience whenever there's loss. So that's why we can experience grief for the tangible things that we've lost. So people have lost their homes. Uh, there's over a billion animals now who have been lost from the, the bushfires. So there's this tremendous amount of loss for life. Um, of course, the the human death toll as well you know we mustn't forget that so there's this huge loss of life loss of property people have lost their livelihoods and then there are those of us who maybe we're a little bit a little bit more removed from those tangible effects like I live in the city for example as you as you do too you live in an urban area so um you know the, the grief can also be for you losing a way of life yeah. Or losing that feeling of security or losing that kind of, you know, maybe we were living in a bit of a bubble of, you know, maybe climate change and maybe it's not really that real. Maybe yeah. this isn't so bad. And so many people want to say, oh, Australia always has bushfires every yeah. summer, but there's something, it's different this year. And so there's grief for some of these less tangible things. And so grief is about loss. Mm. it's about sadness mm. and the really the way to get past it is to go through it which yeah. is not it sounds simple it's not easy to do yeah. um a lot of people will talk about the five stages of grief you know it's sort of denial anger bargaining etc depression acceptance and i find that the literature says that it's not that clear cut I think it depends on the type of grief that we're talking about but grief is one of those things I feel it's quite cyclical yeah so it comes back yeah especially um when we're talking about something that's not it's not being fixed it's not like the bushfires happened okay it's fixed now let's just move on with our lives because there is still well there are still fires burning there is still this very real threat it's just going to keep happening animals are losing their lives humans are losing their lives so this the grief it comes back and it's almost like a a a cycle and there's this saying which is that when you feel the wave of emotion coming Mm. don't try and stop the wave and don't get out of the water just learn how to surf yeah yeah, I actually visualize that myself, and that's a very beautiful thing that I've recently learned. Um, I actually stand when I'm, because I have uh, depression and anxiety as well, and when I go through mm-hmm. these overwhelming feelings of sadness, I like stand with my feet apart and my hands out wide, and I pretend like I'm surfing on a wave, because you're right, there's no way around, you just have to go through it. Mm. But 
as you also said, it's cyclical. Uh, I mean, psychologically, grief is cyclical, but also in the context of our current situation, these bushfires are going to be coming back each year. Yep. Climate change is only getting going to get worse and doesn't seem as though anything's being done by the government to give us any kind of assurance that things will be under control in in our lifetimes. So obviously mm. the grief is not just cyclical, but it'll probably be mounting as the years go by. It, it's it's a longer yeah. process of, of denial, bargaining, acceptance. That will be over a few years until finally people probably just give up and say 10 years down the line, well, we, it, here's the apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because each time we, we experience a wave of grief, we adjust and we, we become changed after mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So we're not so none of us are the same person as we were um before the bushfires right we're we're, we're not the same we're and that's certainly the case for the people who have been very directly impacted yeah. by that um by those fires so there's each time we go through the wave of emotion where we come out the other side and we're a different person and we do it, for some people, we we build up a, a bit of resilience. So it's called there's something called post traumatic growth, which is that when a traumatic event happens, we come out the other side being stronger. But that's not the case for everybody because sometimes if the the loss has been too massive or if the trauma has been too great, we actually then develop post traumatic stress disorder. Okay. So it's not uh, it's not universal that everyone will grow as a result of this. Some people will, some people won't. And what happens is. For, for the people who do build up their resilience a bit more um, and then go through each wave of grief becomes easier to deal with because the grief um, becomes, the grief still exists but we become better able to handle that grief. But I think what you're talking about is we get new grief yeah. because there's more, you know, whether it's Amazon or, you know, a couple of years ago there was a bushfires in California. Yeah. There's always something else on the horizon. So then that's like a new packet of grief that we then have to deal with and go through that. Yeah. So it it's definitely a, you know, it, it we, we become more resilient, but then the grief can compound as well. So it's really, really yeah. complex. And mm. So the world is definitely becoming more fucked up. Well, <laughs> yes and no. And I, I only say this because in my line of work, I've, in my line of work, I've got, I learn a lot about history uh, and because we, we learn a lot about the human psyche by looking at, you look at historical figures and, and you look at like the progression of, say, mental health awareness and acceptance. So you think about the way that people of colour or women are treated today compared to even a century ago. Yeah. So I, I, I do see progression and improvement right? There are some things that are progressing mm. and improving. And then there are some things that it definitely feels like it's getting worse. Yeah. And I do, I do keep in the back of my mind that this whole issue about like overpopulation or the you know, climate issues, these issues have been apparent for a long, long time. Yeah. And I get that it's kind of reaching that, that real crunch moment Mm, mm. now these issues have been on the horizon for a very long time and some of the things that people had to deal with you know a century ago or two centuries ago we don't have to deal with now which is great I think human consciousness has maybe evolved to some degree Mm. 
And there are things that we're facing now like apathy and the um, you know, the real hostility. You know, there are people who are so entrenched in their ways that the prospect of changing behaviours just seems so abhorrent to them. But we've humanity's been facing this yeah. since we became human, yeah. really. So, so that was a very long answer to your no, question. No, uh, but which I get what yes. you're saying. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I think that I think what's important uh, here in what we're saying is now more of us know the kinds of things that are unacceptable. These movements like. Um, awareness about climate change, awareness about factory farming, awareness about income inequality, racism, Mm. sexism, Mm -hmm. all of these things have reached a critical mass where a lot of people know about these, but there's a plug on the top, the 1%, the powerful people who are resistant to change. For example, we've just elected conservative governments in many countries. So Mm -hmm. it's like it's bubbling from the bottom but the top's still kind of plugged, and that's where a lot of the anger is coming from. It's not that the world is a much worse place now, but it's that more of us know that it needs to change, mm. and the change mechanisms are not happening fast enough for what we want. So I think yes. that's where the anger is coming from. I, I do I do agree with what you're saying. Um, I do think, though, that the change will be driven from, at, from a grassroots level because the only reason these ultra-conservative people end up in power is because many of us are still operating from this real patriarchal mindset that mm. there needs to be an authority figure who tells us what to do. And it's very much a reflection of the way... Oh, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent. I apologise. <laughs> it very much reflects the way that we were brought up Mm. many of us and I'm sure you can relate to this because I think culturally there are some similarities there we're both Um, Indian aren't we that's right so you know very much growing up in an authoritarian kind of culture where the parents dictate everything for the child the child doesn't really have a whole lot of choice the child doesn't have the freedom to uh, explore safely just with that um, peripheral kind of guidance and supervision and safety from the parents so it's very dictatorial and I think that we, I mean, as I'm sure you know, we tend to replicate a lot of our relationships, um, our childhood relationships get replicated in the relationships we have, have as adults. Yeah. And I think that, that it's not just intimate relationships or friendships. I think it includes like this very, it's like looking to, we're looking for that father figure. We're looking mm. for that godlike figure. We're looking for that person who is going to come in and fix everything and who's going to come in and save us because that's how, as children, we had to be. Yeah. Children's brains right. are designed for that, for their survival. But I think that we, we weren't raised in a way that encourages autonomy. Mm. And so I, my look, I, I see the way children now are being raised, so Generation Z, even your generation, millennials, Generation Z, Generation Alpha, they're much more independent than certainly I ever was. I mean, you know, you, you look, you've got 15-year-old girl who is a 15-year-old young lady who is leading the current yeah. climate change revolution. I mean, right when I was – exactly. Yeah. And when I was 15, I mean, gosh – yeah. I don't, I'm I was a potato. <laughs> right. um, so there is no messiah. We have to cooperate with each other. Yeah. But in this bushfire crisis, for example, um, there's been a kind. Of, there's been obviously anger at the government, perhaps anger at self as well for our own inaction in the past, or um, the fact that we didn't um, 
understand the gravity of the situation earlier but there's also a lot of anger towards each other people that voted the conservative government in or people that refused to listen to climate change warnings or people that refused to listen to indigenous um you know burning practices or things like mm. that mm. so it's not obviously helpful to be angry at each other right now we need to cooperate right mm. So what is a way for us to turn this anger at each other? Is there a way to turn the grief and anger into a positive force for ourselves safely? Mm, that's a good question. So anger, so we already talked about grief as being about sadness and about loss. Um, sometimes a lot of us don't really know how to deal with sadness, so we turn it into anger. Anger is a very powerful emotion. We feel like you can feel the adrenaline running through your veins when you're angry. Yeah. Um, and I think finding out where the anger is coming from is probably the best first step. So anger is in response to injustice, whether that's true injustice or a perceived injustice. So what you're describing, it may well be from uh, the injustice of um, voting people into power who are supposed to have the long-term interests of everyone in mind, but they really seem to be serving their own interests mm. for own need for power and money. So there, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of reasons for people to feel angry. So I think when we get in touch with that, what is the reason or what are the many reasons for this anger? And we find that underneath it all comes a real desire for genuine change. That's being tempered by also a fear of change. So we want change, we also fear change, and yeah. that's a very deep ingrained neurobiological drive that we have. We just... Mm change is terrifying so for a lot of people who are denying climate change people who are voting sticking with the same government they're, they're voting the same government in again and again it's just a, a fear of change and it's hard to acknowledge that that's what it is yeah, yeah. um the we we can really only deal with the anger that we have mm. and in our approach to other people unfortunately there are those out there who are not interested in what kind of working through their anger they're just more interested in placating you know they feel angry it's like okay find a target I'm just going to take it out on them mm. um, it could be farmers saying okay my livelihood's being destroyed the government doesn't care but it's easier to to point the finger at animal activists yeah it's easier to it's it's, it's easier just to blame them because you know they they care so much about animals but where are they when the bushfires are coming so um so, it's, so for, we need more compassion for other people uh, you're saying maybe compassion for ourselves and our feelings and even for other people might help temper the anger into something more is that is that right so we can only we can only really in terms of transmuting the anger into something powerful we can only do that mm. for ourselves the mm. problem is is that when the people around us are not interested in doing that it can often re reignite our own anger in the yeah, first place yeah. and that's really really hard and so it might be that in working through our anger we might need to um, protect ourselves by maybe not engaging in conversations with certain people mm. or maybe not getting in um, maybe limiting the the sorts of things we sorts of news stories we read or what we're yeah. exposed to online or um you know, there's certain public figures who might hold positions that we find problematic, so maybe not really yeah. being participating in that. And you mentioned about compassion. Mm. So compassion, some people think compassion means just 
okay, you do what you want. I have compassion for you, so it's fine for you to abuse me. Mm. And that's not what compassion is at all. Compassion Mm. is, okay, I get where you're coming from. What you're doing is wrong and I get where it's coming from. So the people who are refusing to change, it's like I get where you're coming from. Change is hard and it is scary and it's not okay for you to not change. It's not okay for you to blame people who don't deserve it. It's not okay for you to take out your anger um, in ways that are aggressive and hostile instead transform the anger and the only way you can really transform it is to know where it's coming from so let's say it's anger at the government for their lack of action so Mm -hmm. what are some things that if if the government is really the core issue there so what are some things that can be done how can we act in a way that is proactive Mm -hmm. what can be done can we go into government or if not us can we find um can we find government candidates Mm -hmm election candidates mm. and can can we maybe support them can we go work for them can we read through their policies can we join like the animal justice party for example or whoever you know the greens or whoever whichever party we support mm. can we get behind them can we share information uh, it doesn't even have to be a financial contribution can we become educated about politics so that we can contribute to the conversation about what needs to happen can we become educated about climate change can we um what else can can we join up with maybe local groups who are interested in having discussions about these things can we read more books can we Mm. start a podcast and (laughs) share information so there's a lot of anger is about action Mm. um and the action can be harmful or it can be something beneficial Mm. this was a great um examples of way ways in which we can turn our anger into into things that we can do to improve ourselves. And on the flip side of it, what about sometimes when we're just too tired and too sad um, and we just need to care for ourselves? I think a lot of people might feel embarrassed about grieving for the environment and grieving for the fires. Like that's something like tree huggers and hippies and crazy vegans do. But I think people need to, uh, people would, you know, it would do them good to acknowledge that it is okay for the most rational person in the world to be sad about the environment or the smoke outside your house and allow yourself, as you would grieve for anything else, to sit and be quiet and sad or tell your children that I'm sad, you know, and and just yeah. ex- take care of your emotions in that way quietly. Yeah. You know, it's 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 interesting you say that there can be some people might feel shame um, about that because if anything, if anything, grieving for our planet is probably the uh, is one of the most important things yeah. that we that we can do. Yeah. Because you know, um, for those who have a, a spirit, I mean, we all have a spiritual spiritual side. For some people, you know, it's specific religion, or maybe it's just an appreciation for the interconnectedness of things. Mm. Because um, everything is connected, everything we do has an impact on the world. And when we can see what's happening to the world around us, I mean, it's. I, I think it's incredibly healthy to mm. grieve mm. for that. And any, uh, if anyone is has this misapprehension that it's shameful to grieve, I, I would say that that narrative that we shouldn't grieve for our planet, I think that's the harmful narrative. Yeah, it's. Um, it's this, 
it's, it's coming from a very disconnected sort of place that we can sort of segment ourselves and say, okay, those are the people who are doing the bad things and, and you know, my, my actions have no impact. Someone, I actually heard someone say the other day that our food choices don't matter. And I just was, it was just, it just blew my mind because our food choices matter incredibly, even just something as simple as our health. Yeah. Our food choices matter. So, obviously, um, yeah. And if we're a microcosm, obviously our food choices, if they affect our health, they're going to affect the planet's health. That's right. Absolutely. And so when we feel that sadness, I think, because sadness is about loss. And, um, and I think that when we're in that feeling of sadness, you know, it's a very heavy kind yeah. of we just want to bunker down a bit and not really do too much and just want to we just want to be. Yeah. And I think in a way that is our mind telling us that we just need to sit with this feeling and mm. work through it. So sadness we deal with differently to anger because mm. anger is kind of like this flash mm. and you get through that wave and then you come through the other side and you channel it, whereas with sadness, Sadness is like this river of emotion that has to come out. So some people, um, some people write like they just journal and get it's like word vomit onto the page, and they just get it all out of them. Some people cry. Yeah. Some people just hug their companion animals and just you know just feel all the feelings that yeah. they're feeling. But the point is, is with sadness, you just have to let it let it come out of you, sort of let it pour out of you. And then it's, there's this feeling of catharsis mm. afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. And then, exactly. you know, you sort of feel, yeah. And then it lifts a bit and then you sort of, you start to feel like, okay, yes, I got that sadness out and I'm feeling a little bit more energized now. And then we can then do, you know, yeah. be proactive and, and do something. But yeah. you, you raise such an important point. Yes, we definitely have to take time. Yeah, we have to uh, have, there has to be an outlet for that sadness in order for us to move forward. Otherwise, if we become blocked, it can result in all sorts of health, mental and physical health implications. Um, and, yeah. you know, if, if I think if people who have children are feeling sad, just hug your children, spend time with your family and collectively acknowledge that we as humans are on this planet and it's in danger and comfort each other. So there is absolutely, it's not a frou-frou, weird hippie thing to acknowledge that climate grief is affecting you. It's real. Um, And you've given us some fantastic, you know, and like analogies, like it's like a river. It just has to flow through. Mm. Um, Is it selfish to turn off the news or Facebook (laughs) when you're feeling overwhelmed? Oh, no. I think it's very healthy to do that. And it's it's easy to say it's simple to say but it's not always easy to do and that's because our brain is always seeking novelty right and that's an evolutionary adaptation because you know back when we were living in living on the savannah we needed to know okay has there's a pack of bears that's moved in well not that there'd be bears in the savannah but you know there's a pack of lions who are now prowling through that that um orchard that we normally pick our fruit so our brain wants novelty we need to know new information and that was fine thousands of years ago but now the information never stops yeah it's 24 it never, 7 ever, yeah. ever stops yeah and so we have to be the ones to be like, to say to ourselves this is just my brain wanting clicking refresh just wanting the latest updates the yeah. latest headlines and yeah. it's up to us to actually just say yep that's that survivor mind going again we're going to take a break from yeah. this and i would suggest the best thing you can do with that time is to um immerse your senses 
in something. So if you're a tactile person, you know, get in close with your companion animals and give them a hug or, as you said, hug your children, um, you know, go go swimming and feel the water around you or um, if you're whatever the sensation it is, smell, taste, touch. Uh, sight or sound you know really have an immersive experience mm. and I think that that can be very grounding because mm. uh, it's when you're sort of tapping away on your phone there's really not a lot of sensation happening there you're taking in a lot of information uh, but yeah just getting back down to the sensation really feeling something in your body thank you so much Ash um, I think that you've given um, me and the listeners a lot to sort of um, to do that we can actually physically do in dealing with anger and grief and a, a lot of beautiful analogies of how to think about our anger and grief. Um, I wish that I had lo- much longer to speak with you. I could speak with you forever. Um, <laughs> and I know that you have very little time with us today. So I hope that you'll come back on the podcast someday. Yeah. Um, do you have a new book coming out? I'm working on my next book, which is um, about raising children who are activists and um, how we can sort of help channel channel their passions in the right kind of way but I have the more I work on that book the bigger it's getting and I realize that this is going to be a work in progress so it was going to be something I was aiming for this year 2020 but um, I think it's it needs longer because it's it's such a huge subject to cover you write on your Facebook page don't you vegan neuropsychologist you write quite a lot of mini articles on there yeah, so I do microblogging um, on Facebook and Instagram, yeah. um, which is probably where um, I spend m- most of my online time is um, is there doing that. So, yeah, welcome to connect with me. I also have a YouTube channel, um, very to upload things very sporadically. So across all those three platforms, it's just vegan neuropsychologists. Awesome. I'm going to link your um, social media pages in the show notes for this. That will be great. And, Thank um, you. I hope that I'll get a chance to talk to you on the podcast again. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a most wonderful day. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. Heck, heck, heck. Heck, heck, heck. Heck, heck, heck. Heck, heck, heck.